Welcome to Maximal Being, a podcast devoted to ditching fad diets and using real science to get you healthy and feeling great. I'm Doc Mock, a GI and functional medicine doctor who harnesses the power of gut health to get you achieving your goals. And I'm Jackie P, a well-informed layman who challenges the experts and asks the questions that you want. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button or leave a comment. And now, on to the show. Hello, 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 Maximal Beans. It is I, your favorite layman, Jackie P. I'm here with, of course, the man, the mystery, the calf muscle monster himself, Doc Mock. <laughs> and we're here with Dr. David Miller. Uh, and we're going to be talking about acupuncture, which is a one of my favorite actual topics. So uh, I already warned Dave, there are going to be questions flying left and right. But uh, introduce ourselves. Um, as you all know, I'm Jackie P. I have extensive medical background. I watch a lot of scrubs and, um, you know, <laughs> Gray's Anatomy. So like, I'm pretty much a doctor. Um, and I'm the layman. I'm make sure these guys don't go above our heads and use medical jargon. Um, and over to you, Doc Mock. What's going on, Maximal Beings? Doc Mock here. Uh, I'm a therapeutic endoscopist, which is a fancy type of GI doctor that deals with cancer. And I am also a functional medicine doctor. And Jackie, I, I feel like if you watched House Enough, you you basically know the differential diagnosis. I mean, oh. it's always sarcoid or lupus. It's got to be in there somewhere. So, you, you know, you nailed that one. Um, so excited to have Dr. David Miller here Uh Dr. Miller, you want to introduce yourselves to the Maximal Beings? I'd be honored to. Thank you guys for having me. It's really fun to be here. So yeah, I'm uh, Dr. David Miller. So I'm the medical director for pediatric integrative medicine with the UH Connor Integrative Health Network and Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital. And um, yeah, I moved to Cleveland about, about a year ago, just before the uh, pandemic, not my fault, and um, had been in Chicago before that. I did my conventional training in pediatrics and then went back to school, ultimately did a four-year program in Chinese medicine, which included acupuncture, herbal medicine, body work, mind-body therapies, and then practiced for about 15 years in private practice after that. Yeah. And so back to you, Doc Ma. Yeah, again, we're, we're so excited yeah. to have you on. And, and I think it's really um, neat to see doctors that venture outside of conventional Western practices. And, you know, there's so much out there. I, I think that um, medical school kind of pigeonholes us into thinking a few different therapists. We've, we've shared this in prior episodes that, you know, my nutrition planning and teaching was a total of six hours. Only two out of every 10 medical schools teach anything about nutrition. And there are all of these wonderful tools at our disposal that we learn nothing about. And I think acupuncture is one of those. So I'm gonna have Jackie P lead it off. Paleo, keto, vegan, and carnivore. Maybe you've tried them all, but did you have success? Are you still doing that diet? Turns out there's not just one diet right for one particular person. By understanding how your body works and the relationship behind your body's workings and these diets, you can then approach the perfect plan for you. In the Perfect Human Diet course, we talk to you about your body's inner workings and the pros and cons of each plan. We discuss how our ancestors ate and have eaten and lay a framework to tailoring a plan that is perfect for you. To learn more about the Perfect Human Diet course, head to MaximalBeing.com slash courses to find out more. And as always, I'm Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your health. You cannot supplement your way to health, but there are things that we need to add to our lives that can maximize our pathway to wellness. The American diet is virtually devoid of omega-3 fatty acids, which play a major role in cardiovascular disease, gut permeability, and mental health. Personally, I take omega-3s every night and iHerb is the best place for clean, natural sources of supplements. I love the ZenWise Omega-3 Fatty Acid Supplement, which is free of fish burps and good for the environment. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com slash iHerb, that's I-H-E-R-B, and enter the code B as in boy, D as in dog, B as in boy, 5528 and receive 10% off your orders for all supplements. Maximize your supplements with iHerb. 
Dr. Dr. Miller. It's the last time I call you Dr. Miller. After okay. this, you're Dave, all right? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay, so I want to start at the very basics, right? I know mm-hmm. a lot of folks have probably heard of acupuncture. They've probably seen it in movies or know other people that do it. Let's break it down, 3,000-foot view of acupuncture. You know, like, what is it? What, you know, what does it involve? And then we'll take it from there. All right. Sounds good. So acupuncture involves the use um, currently of uh, individually wrapped, generally speaking, sterilized stainless steel little filaments uh, that we try to avoid calling needles, but they're also called needles um, in order to affect change in the body and to to restore health and balance to the body. It's a a system of care that comes out of Chinese medicine and is intimately entwined with Chinese medicine. Um, and, and developed out of that system over a period of at least 2,500 years. Um, we have the advantage of machine-tooled, sterilized, as I said, like little little filaments to do that now, which was not always true historically. So historically, they would use much larger brass and iron and bronze kinds of things that were not up to our safety and uh, cleanliness standards. But uh, So we have a lot of luxury, actually, in the practice these days. And so acupuncture can be applied to a very wide variety of health conditions, I think it's most thought of currently as um, a modality that we might use for pain. Um, And I think it's also important to look at acupuncture from both within the, the, the ancient Chinese medical system from which it came. And then also there's modern usages of it and uh, sort of different ways of applying it um, sort of in some sense, independent of that system too. So um, Jackie, any other, what else would be interesting to know? Oh, yeah. oh, like I said, strapping. Okay, so <laughs> you said this has been perfected over 2,500 years. Okay, now, like, I want people to think 2,500 years. All right. And maybe this might be a question for you, but it's something I've always wondered. How? Like, how did this come about? Did someone, yeah. like, fall, land on a, a stick, it hit their elbow, and they're like, oh, my headache's gone. Like, 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 is there history there or is there just theory? That's a great question. And, and this is an area of um, exploration that's still being sort of excavated, I would say, in the field. Uh, what we have is we have texts going back very clearly uh, that far back that talk about using acupuncture and using it as part of a system of care. Um, the acupuncture system is actually organized in a, in a very structured way and in a moderately complex way. And so you have the acupuncture points that many people have heard of, of which there is somewhere between, you know, 350, 400, 450, depending on how you look at it. And then those points though are by and large organized along acupuncture channels, which I understand to reflect um, certain sort of biomechanical functions that we need to do to survive. So very basic things like, you know, eating, running, hunting, food gathering, um, things like that, uh, that, that fit into sort of all of our physiologies. And these, these channels are thought to have preceded the concept of individual acupuncture points. Um, how and, and why people first got the idea of um, treating the body this way and looking at the body this way remains unknown, but, but it's speculated basically that it's a combination of sort of aha moments, like you mentioned, like someone really did push somewhere and had an odd sensation elsewhere or found that when they, you know, we are our most basic instinct when we're hurt, for example, is to hold on to the area, you know, so we have sort of these automatic responses. And, um, and so I think that system really has developed over time, looking at that sort of aha moment of if I do this, and this happens, and then expanding on that idea. So sort of generally speaking, I guess that's what I would okay. say. So definitely like not aliens or like any Correct. sort of supernatural as far as we know, unfortunately, right. yeah, there's just no data on okay. that. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Because so I actually am a huge fan of acupuncture. I go every three weeks. Nice. Um, and I always go in there and he has, and he has, a, you know, he has the chart with all these, you know, quote unquote highways and. He explains to me, you know, I have sickle cell, which isn't like a secret on the show. And he mm-hmm. says, you know, Chinese medicine, they, re- they refer to it as sticky blood. So you're like, yeah, these are points because it helps your blood and everything. So what I want to do is talk about the chi, right? Like those highways you talk about, right? This, this is kind of where it becomes a little metaphysical, like the energy, right? But can you, I guess, explain, I guess, as scientifically as possible, like, how, how does the Western medicine account for chi, right? Like, and aligning your chi. 
Yeah. So, so I think the first thing to understand is that the word chi gets used and misused quite frequently. So chi in many senses is as general as the word energy. And okay. so we can think of it as like energy that runs through a light bulb. You can think of it as like this person or that person has good energy or bad energy. You know, you go to a certain place and it has a certain feel about it. In English, we say, oh, it had a great feel. It had, you know, good energy to it. In Chinese medicine, you might say it had a certain type of chi that goes with it. So chi is really a very general term. And then there are many, many different types of chi that you can talk about. So there's often this sort of I think it's essentially a misunderstanding that that when we talk about chi, we're talking about sort of a metaphysical life force kind of component only, right? And I think the concept can encompass that idea, but it is not limited to that idea. And that's a really important piece. So when you're thinking about how the body functions, you know, I think in Western medicine, we're used to thinking of the body in terms of parts. So my hand, my heart, my liver, my leg, whatever it is, as sort of disconnected pieces. And I think one of the reasons for that is because the medicine in, in the West really evolved from sort of a cadaveric view, meaning we took bodies, we cut them up, we looked at the parts, but unfortunately, most of the time, those bodies were not living anymore. And so, you know, we looked at structure and form and then understood function from there, um, but didn't necessarily fit everything together into a systems-based um, medical system. And that's why I think Chinese medicine and like a conversation with functional medicine makes so much sense because we started in the West to move towards, you know, really thinking of our body as, as circuits and collections of parts that work together to accomplish specific acts. So like eating, for example, you need the mechanical components of eating where you chew up your food and you swallow it and it goes down, but you also need to be able to realize you're hungry. You need to be able to seek food. You need to be able to prepare your food. There's like all of these things that go together into a food acquisition system that is just beyond that physical form of your stomach itself. So if you talk about the stomach in Western medicine, people are thinking of your physical stomach. When you talk about the stomach in Chinese medicine, you're talking about your entire food acquisition system. And so it's a much broader way of looking at, at form and function. And then I can say, you know, there is energy that powers your food acquisition system, right? That's your stomach chi. And so it's a specific type of energy within a specific system that does the specific thing. So you have stomach chi, you have spleen chi, you have liver chi, you have heart chi. There's all these different types of chi. And, um, and so I think part of, part of translating from East to West is to understand also how the language is used. Um, I think it's also really important when you're thinking about Chinese medicine, as I start to use the language here, that we understand that when I'm talking about these pieces, I'm not necessarily talking about them at all in the same way that the West would. So we talk a lot about spleen chi in Chinese medicine has almost nothing to do with your physical spleen. It really is talking about your, your, capacity to um, incorporate either food or knowledge into yourself. So when you eat that food using your stomach, it has to get incorporated into your body. That's your spleen's job in Chinese medicine, not in Western medicine. So there's a lot of complexity in talking about it because we use, unfortunately, the same words through translation that mean very different things. And so it ends up being a form of medical jargon, which frequently leads to misunderstanding. Um, so I'm curious, Dr. Mark, what do you, how's that sit with you as a functional medicine doctor too? And then I can keep talking, but I want to share the space a little bit. No, <laughs> I, I think it's so fascinating that, you know, it's taken us now the year 2021 to get to the point where we're now looking back at the human being as a system. And in my world, you know, both in functional medicine, as well as in gut health, the microbiome controls so much of us globally as a person. We're discovering more and more how right. important it is that something within your gut can control your brain, can lead to cardiovascular disease, can increase your risk of cancer throughout the entire human body. But before that, we you're right, we did think of everything in these little boxes and our training and doctors are placed in little boxes, right? I'm a specialist, right? I deal with the gut. If right. you're talking to me about diabetes, I don't want to hear it, but they're all intimately linked together. And so we knew about that thousands right. of years ago with the discovery of acupuncture. And now it's taken us this long to kind of get back to that point. So I'm hundred percent with you. I also want to just outline how important the letter Q yeah. is, not just, not just in the word <laughs> chi, but also, you know, to Jackie P and, and this wonderful human being that uh, is a part of his life. The letter Q just seems to be super. Important. Ah. Q actually is a power letter in Scrabble. Yeah. It's 10 okay. points. 
right? It's it's just it's just one of those things. So yeah, I like the letter Q. It's one of my favorite letters now. Um, but it's also interesting. Uh, you bring up a good point, um, Doc. How like you talk about gut health, but someone comes with diabetes, right? Like in the Western world, like that's not your lane, so to speak. But you know, folks who are listening. It's always when we speak to anyone about anything, it could be cardiovascular, it could be the gut, it could be the pancreas, all of the solutions that make you healthier, quote unquote healthier, are the same. So there's something there where there's a lot of overlapper. If you're having, you know, cardiovascular disease or issue with your gut, the answer is usually the same. There's a lot of overlap. So it speaks to a larger system where like, okay, guys, like there's crosstalk here, like there's a communication right? Um, and I kind of want to talk about that a little bit because actually I got into acupuncture. I used to be a, I wouldn't say a denier, but I was just like, I just wasn't the guy who tried new things, right? Growing up with sickle cell, I'm used to the doctors. I'm used to the lab coats. Give me the medicine, give me the whatever, and I'm, I'll be on my way. And uh, my wife actually uh, used to have GI problems and she saw a acupuncture uh, uh, acupuncture specialist. I don't know what the yep. terminology acupuncturist. Uh-huh. acupuncturist, excuse me. Yep. Um, and she used to take like all these medicines. Um, and then literally within like six to 12 months, she was off the medicine. Right. And I'm not wow. telling people that acupuncture cures anything. This is an individual case, you know, anecdotal with mm-hmm. my wife. Right. So she convinced me cause you know, my sickle cell and I always run hot right? Like Mm -hmm. I left Florida for a reason, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and she said, listen, he's going to give you a deal. It's good. Like very cheap. Like just try it. And this was four years ago. And now it's like, for me, it's almost like a oil change for like a car, right? Like during the summer, now it's getting warmer. He, he says, okay, how are you feeling? Are you running hot? I'm like, yes. He's like, okay, let's cool you down. And there's different points Mm -hmm. And I can tell, you know, back to the energy and the the system that like when he does a point, like there's like sometimes it doesn't hurt, but there's like a zap. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I felt that. He's like, yeah, I can tell because, you know, X, Y, Z, A, B, C. So mm-hmm. through my own experience, I became a, a, a believer and hardcore promoter. But I'd like to also talk about, you know, the actual science, right? Like they've, there's been, there've been studies, a lot of people use it for chronic pain. Um, I mean, do you use it right now in your practice? Um, you know, would you like to kind of expand sure. on that as well? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I do. I use it regularly and I use it with all ages, which is a little bit less common. Um, and so I'm part of a group of people, you know, working to introduce kids to acupuncture and to that system. Sometimes you can do acupuncture with the, the filaments. Other times you do it through acupressure. And there's a whole system of, of tween up massage that you can apply to kids that makes it really easy for kids to receive and for families to practice it at home. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you know, I think, um, the interesting thing about, about acupuncture as it sort of unfolds in front of us scientifically is that there are actually many different ways by which it can work, you know? And so, um, there are biochemical kinds of things that it does. Like one of the first things people sort of hypothesized and were able to, to control and check for was the release of endogenous endorphins. So your own natural pain killing chemicals. And so they, they looked at this, um, you know, it part at least in in rats and somewhat in people too, by giving them uh, naloxone, which is a uh, chemical that blocks opiates. And they found that they could block that effect of acupuncture by giving people this medication, being giving rats this medication um, before treatment. And so they identified that that was one biochemical pathway by which acupuncture could have an effect. Um, there are also things like it changes your blood flow dynamics. So it improves blood flow. It tends to relax blood vessels and lead to overall muscular relaxation, which can also lower blood pressure and improve sort of cognitive state, make you feel relaxed and more calm. Um, it may, uh, work through a couple of different other chemical signaling pathways, like nitric oxide is one that's hypothesized to be important. It promotes uh, what we call as autonomic nervous system balance. So that balance between your parasympathetic and your sympathetic system, your sort of fight or flight and your, you know, relax and, and refresh kind of systems. And, um, but then also, I think if we look at, you know, one of my interests is the way, if we look at the way the brain sort of organizes information, um, there are 
little images of your body throughout your brain in lots of different brain centers called your homunculi, which are sort of like reflections of your physical form, but they don't exactly look like your physical form. They're kind of more distorted and unusually kind of shaped, um, but they correlate to different parts of the body. And there are many different brain regions that have these basically little images of your body that, that are how they organize information. And so by doing acupuncture in a structured way, we're, we're fiddling with the way your brain processes information about your body. And when you start looking at this, you realize that your that, that form and the shape and the position of your body and what you're doing with your body is so intimately intertwined with your mental state, your emotional state, and your physical state, that when you start changing sort of the way the signals are going, you can really alter quite a great deal about someone's physiology. And so... Um, so it really changes the way the brain processes information, um, you know, about what's going on globally. Um, so, Jack, does that make sense, or how? Do, where does that lead you in terms of of what else you'd like to to know? From I'd, I'd like to, um, and you know, and Doc Mock, perhaps you can back us up here. You know, they. I know there's, you know, we, there's articles that we've we've shared and we've talked about that just, you know, they took, you know, 50, 50 folks who had chronic back pain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, they, they, they gave them eight weeks of weekly acupuncture, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, they were, they, they, they responded with having less pain or their, what something was interesting to me was their pain tolerance was higher, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, in, in that space, you know, do you see acupuncture, you know, now that they're actually doing these sort of studies, like, is this going to be something that is going to become more prevalent? Is it going to be something that's less, oh, that's Eastern medicine, you know, very specific folks. Is that going to be something that, yeah, you can walk into your local, like major hospital system and there will be an acupuncture specialist there. Yeah, that's a great question. And and I, I hope yes, I think yes. Um, and almost definitely yes, I guess I would say. Um, <laughs> what we've seen over the past uh, couple of years is that, um, you know, groups like like uh, Medicare, Medicare is sort of very conservative in terms of what and demands a, a significant level of evidence in order to approve uh, a specific type of a procedure for a specific type of a condition. And they approved uh, the coverage of acupuncture for chronic low back pain in seniors, um, meaning that they found that the evidence was sufficient enough to, to approve acupuncture for that condition. And we've seen expansions from there um, at the state level. For example, in Ohio, Ohio Medicaid now covers acupuncture for six or seven different conditions, uh, which include a couple of different pain conditions. And then all also nausea and vomiting associated with pregnancy and also nausea associated with chemotherapy. So what we're starting to see is as more research gets done, we're seeing an expansion of these diagnoses. I think where we're going to run into a roadblock is you can never study everything. You know, acupuncture is a very general system. You can use it for there's something for it that it has to say about almost any medical condition, right? But in order to get a good study, it costs a lot of money. It costs a lot of time. You have to have a lot of people, you know, you have to figure out how you control what you're studying for. And it's really just not practical to ask that we have, you know, super high level studies for everything that acupuncture might be able to do. So the question is, will we be able to generalize our understanding about acupuncture's benefit to things like pain control rather than just pain for chronic low back pain in seniors. You know, we need to be able to kind of say, oh, it seems to have these generally useful effects physiologically. We should be able to extrapolate it to lots of different types of at least pain conditions, you know, and then you can look at things like anxiety relief and hopefully, you know, that's relatively easy to document, at least in short-term benefits, Um, digestive issues, menstrual issues, all these kinds of things are places where it's been used classically for thousands of years with, with good efficacy, we sort of this prolonged clinical trial. Um, and, and it's starting to make its way into the hospitals. Absolutely. So like we have acupuncture active and available right now at UH for fertility. Um, it's that we're working very closely with, um, you know, with, with the endocrinologists to, who are doing like egg transfers to support that process because it's been shown to be, you know, helpful for many people in that, in that, um, 
in that procedure. Um, we're seeing uh, a big study that's going to be starting for acupuncture in the emergency room and the adult emergency room at UH also, that's an NIH funded grant study. So we're, we're seeing how can we take people who are coming into the ER and at least for a subset of those people, how can we use acupuncture instead of things like opiates um, for managing their pain? Because the preliminary studies have shown that acupuncture is extremely effective in helping people decrease pain and anxiety in acute situations like that. So if we could do that instead of loading them up on opiates, that's a, that's a huge win, you know? And so we really are already seeing acupuncture incorporated into the mainstream in many ways. I think, um, you know, the risk I see of this is that we, because of especially the language barrier in understanding classical acupuncture and the system it came from, that we're going to try to package it like a pill and a one size fits all kind of a protocol that is not how it developed as a system or is conceptually practiced. And so I think the, the bigger divide is almost um, in, in helping the medical system understand that you can have something that's efficacious and safe that uses a different framework for diagnosis and treatment that nonetheless has a validity to it. Um, and that you know, it, once we get to the place where we feel like it's safe enough, effective enough, that we hire people who've really studied the whole system and just let them do their work. Okay. I mean, you brought up an interesting point. Um, and this is the last question I'll pass you, Doc Mock. I know I've been hogging it here, but I told you guys <laughs> I had a lot of questions. Um, so you said fertility, right? Yeah. Um, and so another personal story, my wife did happy baby uh, puncture points oh, yeah. when she was pregnant. You know, mm -hmm. and I think it worked because if anyone who knows Quinn, he's the calmest, coolest kid. I mean, obviously <laughs> bias, but like, you right. know, when he was born, he didn't cry. He was just hanging out. Like he's just, sorry. yeah. Like he's just like, <laughs> he's calm. the best. Like, he's an old soul. <laughs> nice. We go to the doctor and he just listens. I mean, he's amazing, but that's a whole nother podcast hours of material. Um, <laughs> but you know, if, if I were someone who wasn't accustomed to traditional Chinese medicine, right, and I'm used to the Western put, and I hear, okay, fertility, or I hear happy baby, right? Like, mm -hmm. what are the risks, right? So if we're talking about a very intricate system of chi and energy, and, you know, up to 450 points, right? I mean, this must, you know, and, and these filaments are smaller than needles, actually, because you don't feel them. Yeah you might miss, right? You might miss a point. Like, you know, like, so what is, I mean, is there a risk? I mean, you know, is there like, oh, you hit the wrong point and now, you know, my, my foot's numb for the next week or I know I'm being, you know, it's a ridiculous example, sure. but like, is there a risk? Um, you know, are there, you know, downsides, I guess, for lack of a better word. Right. That, that's a great question. A great set of questions. I mean, and, and so what, what the studies have shown us, there's been relatively large studies along the lines of like 22,000 people showing that in properly trained hands, acupuncture is one of the safest procedures that you can get in a medical setting. Um, it's, it's again, in properly trained hands, it's very easy to apply with minimal risk, you know, biggest risks are things like a slight bruise at the, at the, you know, the site of the point. Um, in, in cases where acupuncture is not regulated properly and people are doing it with, with minimal or insufficient training, there is a much greater risk of things like organ puncture. And so like pneumothorax, which is a puncture of the lung and a collapse of the lung is one of the more commonly talked about risk factors for, you know, for acupuncture. And again, it's easy not to hurt the lung, you just have to know what you're doing. And, um, and that's why you want to make sure you have a properly trained provider that you're going to, um, you know, and classically, it's interesting. I mean, there are sort of points that are debated and, and identified classically that you do or you don't use in certain situations. And so pregnancy is one of those situations where there's about six points or so that classically you would avoid the idea that being that they would be too moving and could potentially induce an unwanted like release of the pregnancy. Pregnancy. Um, that said, I don't think anyone actually has seen that happen. So, you know, I, it's like the, you don't know whether that original concern came out of the theory of it or something coincidentally happened at some point and that got locked into everybody's memories. But the body's very, we say sort of adaptogenic in the sense of like, if you, if you put a point in the wrong spot, mostly what happens is nothing bad. Like either there's an adjustment there, something relaxes there that's different or you don't get that combination of point functions that you're looking for, but it's not like you really tend to get a, a negative effect 
uh, when that happens. I liken it sometimes to like Tylenol. Like if you have a fever and you take Tylenol, it brings your fever down. But if you don't have a fever and you take Tylenol, it doesn't make you cold, right? It just leaves you at your body temperature. And so I think uh, techniques like acupuncture are sort of adaptogenic like that. They try to bring your body back to balance, but after that point, it doesn't like throw you off balance unless you're applying the system in a way that's really not conducive to, you know, I mean, that's really not part of how it would be appropriately applied. Yeah. I think, uh, in reviewing all the medical literature prior to talking with you today, uh, you know, I, I, the biggest takeaways for me were number one, that it is really safe. I mean, the, there are virtually no adverse events and the only reported ones are like you said, slight bruising at the site. And number two, that they're showed, if not equal, but superior efficacy as compared to standard pain control yeah. techniques. So, I mean, it's, and it's really impressive data folks, you know, like the research is really well done and um, I really appreciate it as an adjunct. So my earliest uh, exposure to acupuncture was this. So I was a gastroenterology fellow, which for the people out there is a doctor in training. And I came to work with this terrible headache. And our anesthesiologist, who is from China um, and actually an acupuncturist, comes up to me and says, oh, hold on. And so he runs away for a minute. He tells me to just put my hand on the table and he tells me to look the other direction. And then he jams a needle into my anatomic <laughs> snuff box, which is like this part of your hand and starts moving it. My headache went away. It was amazing. Um, you know, so not all acupuncture uh, situations or um, treatments are like that, where somebody just surprises you with a needle in your hand. But if you could, for the listeners, just walk them through what it's like to get a, a treatment, what it's like to get a consultation from you. Absolutely. So uh, from me specifically, um, maybe different than from, from other people too. There are definitely different structures uh, from which acupuncture is applied. So, you know, we have sort of going from the individual consult structure, which is what I do. So people would come into me and I would do a really thorough like history on uh, sort of everything I can about them. We call it the 10 questions sometimes in Chinese medicine that sort of covers all the basics of your, your sort of physiologic categories, but also looking at things like, you know, what do you eat? What's your diet like? What's your sleep habits like? Do you exercise? Do you meditate? Do you do other things to take care of yourself? Really applying sort of that full system of Chinese medicine, full system of holistic care. And then if acupuncture is something that somebody wants to do um, and it's appropriate for their condition, then we would do sort of an individual session of acupuncture puncture where they would generally lie on a, basically a massage table um, and uh, get comfortable there, get them all situated, put points in that range anywhere from sort of six points to say 18 points, things like musculoskeletal conditions. Usually you end up using more points for uh, aches and pains like that. Or if someone comes in with 16 different things that they need to work on, you sometimes prioritize, but occasionally you'll work on a couple of things that require sets of points. Um, and then they'll usually relax there from anywhere from about 20 to 40 minutes, uh, sometimes with a heat lamp, sometimes with music, uh, but mostly they just get to sit and breathe and take a little nap. And then we take the points out and they go on their way. And then, um, you know, within the Chinese medical system too, there's like herbal medicine is used. So sometimes uh, we'll use herbal medicine to also help uh, try to treat that condition. People will get a recommendation for certain foods they maybe should or should not eat, certain exercises they should or shouldn't do. Um, so really trying to globally adjust sort of their behaviors as well as treat them uh, specifically there. Um, there's also uh, something called group acupuncture, which is a great model or community acupuncture is where it started as a name where you have five or six people sharing a room, a large room, usually sitting in sort of uh, chairs that, that recline slightly. And you have one or two practitioners treating each person um, sort of sequentially. And then each person kind of uh, self usually will self-limit how long they want to be there with their, with their needles in and relaxing. And then those get taken out, but you basically get to sort of share the, um, the cost of the visit uh, with other people. And so even though the interview is generally private and exactly what's being treated isn't really public, um, you know, it allows people to get seen usually for somewhere between $20 and $40 um, a treatment rather than more, you know, for a private session. So, so yeah, so a couple different styles of things there, Dakma. Yeah, I think yeah, for the, you, you know, yeah, the healthcare providers that are out there, you know, we can learn a lot from Dr. Miller in our approach to patients because your patients out there and, and all of you out there are not sleeping. We know that it's at least two <laughs> to six out of every 10 people. 
people are not eating right and people are finding ways to solve these problems with or without you. So, you know, approaching those things head on, like, like Dave does, I think that's fantastic. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, we've talked about a lot of great things. I can't wait to have you back on to talk about the Chinese and herbal medicine side of things, but we're going to have to go to a brief commercial break and we'll come back with Dr. David Miller and Jackie P. What's going on, Maximal Beings? It's Doc Mock here. Many of you are returning to the gym now, but some are not going back. Regardless of what you plan, Rogue has got the right gear to fit your needs. I personally own a barbell set and love it. The black ops shorts are sweat resistant and flexible for getting deep in your squats. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com Rogue for our referral link. Order three items and they ship for free. And as usual, it's Doc Mock. And I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness. If you're stuck at home and cannot make it to the grocery store, delivery may be the best way to stay clean and healthy. Instacart is the national leader in the direct-to-home delivery service. With numerous major chains and food from smaller stores, you can get those local veggies sent directly to your doorstep. Head on over to MaximalBean.com Instacart and maximize your nutrition today. Welcome back, everyone. It is I, Jackie P. I'm here with Dr. David Miller and, of course, Doc Mock himself. Uh, and we've been, you know, I guess I've been interrogating Dave for the last, you know, yeah. half an hour or so about questions of acupuncture. And it's not stopping because I still have more questions. So round two, I think these, these, these questions, I think, are a little bit more practical. So, like, I, okay. so I'm just trying to put myself in a non-acupuncture person, right? So you know, we talked about the process, right? You, you know, you have the 10 questions, there are different ways to be, you know, um, you know, there's different ways you could receive treatment right on your own or with a group. And also side note, there's no nap better than acupuncture nap. If anyone's ever experienced <laughs> it, you, they, the system shuts down. I'm telling you, it's amazing. Anywho, but, um, what, you know, so you said there's licensing, right? Because you did mention about, mm -hmm. you know, folks who are properly trained, right? So what if, you know, mm -hmm. if I'm, you know, I'm in Philly, you know, there are folks that might not be in, you know, Cleveland, you know, um, what what should we look for, right? Like, I know, of course, you want to make sure they're properly practiced, but like, is there like a resource you can like look up the the, the their background, you know? So what would mm -hmm. I look for to find like a, a, a well-practiced uh, acupuncturist? Yeah. So uh, that's a great question. And so I think for, for most of the country, um, there is an organization called the National Certification Commission for Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine, the NCCAOM, which is basically the board certification body that assures sort of minimal competence and training that someone's actually gone to school. They check those boxes, make sure it's legit. They've got all their hours and then they have testing that they have to do to show that they've achieved, you know, the basic proficiency in the field. And so that's the first thing that people should look for is that NCCAOM. OM certification. Um, you know, the second thing to look for is, you know, where did they go to school? Did they go to, there's, there's about 50 different accredited colleges of acupuncture and oriental medicine in the U.S. So did they go to an accredited school? Um, and then you might want to know, you know, did they, did they study just acupuncture, which is usually about a two-year program, or did they study acupuncture and herbal medicine, which is more like a three and a half to four-year program? Um, there are people who are in California who are um, certified by the, the California um, Acupuncture Board. So they have their own, um, you know, sound, legitimate testing. So if you're in California, you may be looking for that certification. Um, but those are your basic, you know, things, your, things you can ask and, and look for is sort of where did you get training? Are you board certified? Um, you know, and sometimes connecting with the state associations can be a great way to find the practitioners out there, too, who are really part of the profession and are keeping up their credentials. So uh, looking at the state associations. Okay, that's that's actually good to know. I think that's uh, always important, folks, in any whatever you're seeking and you're seeking a professional, you got to make sure they're an actual professional. Right. Um, and uh, I, have, I have a question. No. So we know that acupuncture can help with a lot of things. What are things that you say, no, this isn't acupuncture, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, like if I come in, I got a torn ACL, right. You right. know, like I can't expect some filaments, you know? So like, what are some, I guess, major things they say, okay, this is not an acupuncture not type thing. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. You know, I think, I think you brought up a good one, like injuries where something is really broken, you know, a tendon that has disconnected, you know, something that everybody would agree, like this needs surgery. You do that first and you use the acupuncture to help you with your rehab, but you're not going to reattach a split tendon because of, you know, with acupuncture. Um, I think, you know, it's always uh, in the field, it's always felt very important that, you know, if patients come in with sort of odd, mysterious things that need more of a workup, that that workup be done either simultaneously or first to treatment, because things like cancer, for example, you, you know, there's debate about like the, the level of assistance acupuncture can give with that. But for the most part, you know, people would say you need to get your, your cancer treated at a real cancer center, you know, and incorporate acupuncture as part of your plan to minimize side effects and to optimize own body's natural, you know, role and helping to fight things off. Um, but I would never want to treat someone with just acupuncture for something like cancer. So certainly like serious injury, um, malignancies like that would be other ones. Um, something, you know, like mental health disorders where people are not, not safe, you know, where, where they're either a danger to themselves or others, and they need that more intensive kind of support. Um, so even though I think acupuncture can be wonderful, and I think there's data to show it for mental and emotional disorders, that again occurs within a range. You know, I think where, where Western medicine really shines for sure is in acute conditions that are extreme where, um, you know, patients would re either die or suffer really negative outcomes without super intensive intervention. And so knowing when you really want that level of care. I think that the challenge we have in Western medicine is so much of our work has focused on those intensive you know, um, offerings that when someone comes in with something gentle and mild in an early stage, um, or someone comes in with a chronic condition that's stable, but, you know, isn't going anywhere, we don't do really well with helping people in those situations. Um, so does that make sense? I think those are some of the big ones I would throw out there. No, that, that makes plenty of sense, folks. So, you know, the, your doctor's still important. Um, right. I was just, you absolutely. Know. <laughs> no, very much right. so. Right. And know your diagnosis, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, I think when you're going for acupuncture, generally, like people may know, you know, um, know what already is wrong with them. And they're looking for either different strategies or augmentative strategies, but they kind of know. Um, so really odd, mysterious things you want to have, you know, your whole care team involved in to make sure nothing's getting missed. Okay. It's good to know. Um, yeah, that's that's a good point. And uh, I saw something. This is completely unrelated and somewhat related, but it just came from. I remember seeing something online. They're like acupuncture pads. It was like you could buy it online. It's like thirty bucks. And it's like a pad of needles, oh, okay. uh, or excuse uh -huh. me, filaments. Um, Thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, trying to you know trying to. It's mostly for the kids, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, what I mean is. Is that a, is that an effective way or do you think that's just online, you know, marketing, you know, kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really hard to tell. I, I think most of the the things out there that are, are promoting, I don't know, sort of, um, in a sense, doing your own acupuncture are, are going to be a little bit questionable there. Um, that said, there are certainly self-care acupressure techniques that people can do that we teach people to do at home that can be very effective. You generally don't need a lot of expensive equipment. So if someone's trying to sell you something that's super expensive and high tech and blah, 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 that you're going to do at home. I'm, I'm leery of that. You know, the, the system didn't develop with really high tech stuff because historically it didn't exist. And so it's really meant to be a system that, that you can apply in very simple ways. And so absolutely there, there are definitely self-care devices and tools like the shiatsu balls and things that you might roll on spots to, you know, change sensory perception and relax muscles and increase blood flow, like those kinds of things for sure. Um, but the more sort of elaborate kinds of uh, things that are out there sometimes are a little bit more hype and they are um, grounded in, in the practice itself. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we made that point that in the right hands, very safe. Yeah. Right. But in the wrong hands, you could puncture a lung or something like that. So right. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it at home folks. <laughs> right. When, when the kids come to me and they say, can I bring a pack of needles home with me? And you can see the glint in their eye. Like <laughs> I want to try this on my sibling. Like, no, no, you may not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Better, 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 better keep the, the, the professional stuff to the professionals kids. And right okay. Um, and this is the last question. This is maybe more theory, but you know, this, okay. this practice of acupuncture is 2,500 years old, right? Yeah. I mean, is it, 
advancing? Is it changing? Is it, ah, are there new yeah. ideas coming out? Um, yeah. You know, walk us that's through a, that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, right? Like, is there still more to learn? And, and I believe, yes, I believe there, there is more to learn. You know, I think that um, one of the things that's really changed about how acupuncture is understood over the years is that acupuncture was classically also practiced um, sort of almost in family groups and each family had their own secrets about what they did. And it it was a very, you know, insider kind of secretive practice. And you had to train for years to get all the access to, to whatever those secrets were. And in our modern digital age, there are very few secrets, if any. And so there's been a lot more knowledge sharing. So I think for the field itself, even internally, there's a lot of questions being asked about like, you know, there's, there's 20 different ways I can, I can do my needle technique for any given point, for example, or there's lots of different ways that I can combine needle combinations to affect a specific condition. Can we start studying potentially like, how do we know what's the best method of application of acupuncture? So when you go to get acupuncture, you know, really actually you're not just getting a single thing The the practitioner may go in and, and put the needle in and manipulate it in one of many different ways to get a specific treatment effect. So when you're trying to cool someone off, for example, there's specific needle styles and techniques that you can do to augment that intention. So I think, I think with our modern sort of understanding of how to run studies, we could start asking some of those questions, which would be really interesting um, to try to pin down, so to speak, what the, the truly effective um, techniques are versus, you know, what's fine, but maybe is more of just sort of hype or, or whatever. Um, I also think that you, there's actually an immense amount of research going on right now that's looking at how do we cross over these two fields, um, whether that be in the domain of acupuncture specifically or in other aspects of the systems like the, the herbal medicine or nutritional advice. Um, as you're able to start measuring certain things about what you're doing, like uh, hormone levels, for example, or EEGs or functional MRIs, um, you're starting to be able to combine ways of looking at the body between um, ancient Eastern ways and modern Western ways. And I just think that, that that gives us a, you know, a binocular vision that we haven't had before. So even though the, the historic ways are, I think, brilliant in themselves, they do lack that knowledge of sort of what's going on under the hood. It's much more, you know, clinically based, like, you know, this is out of balance. I do this, this comes back into balance. Do I know what was underneath that? I don't necessarily, nor do I need to, I have a theory, the stomach chi was disrupted. Okay. You know, um, but as we, as we're able to study, you know, what that means using these, these, you know, greater instruments, we can really drill down to some other aspects of physiology that we haven't discovered. And, and I think there's just, very likely to be tremendous um, pay dirt in that in terms of scientific advancement. Um, but I think we're just at the start of that conversation. That's, yeah, that's incredible. Fast. No, it's, I honestly think it's something to look forward to. You know, when I went to my yeah. doctor, I was like, Hey, listen, I'm gonna go see someone in acupuncture for my sickle cell and other things. I was yeah. waiting for him to say, you know, the whole Western, he's like, no, that stuff is nonsense but he was like oh go for it absolutely and i That's i felt true. like that was like a, yeah. a good step like oh okay like this isn't a this isn't like a gang turf war it's like okay we're all trying to go for the same thing we want our patients to be better so it made me feel right. uh very very happy um so got some closing questions here for you dave okay. um you know you've made it through <laughs> the worst of the interrogation and i thank you for your oh, my pleasure you know, thank for, you for, for making it through yep um, so the first one would be, um, what is your favorite book? Oh, well, favorite book of all time. Now I know we'd sort of, we chit chatted a little before about some nutritional kinds of focus. So, you know, the one I was thinking about was the omnivores dilemma by Mark, Michael Pollan. I just felt like that was a book so that good. really, it was really good, right? It's really well-written. It's very readable and, and amusing, but it also really opens your eyes to like how the food system runs. And I love the whole concept of like, you know, did we cultivate corn or did corn cultivate us? You know, mm. and that idea of, uh, you know, who's, who's keeping who moving when between the plants and the, the animals in some ways. So, so that's a favorite one. That's definitely one that's out there. That's I've read everything that that man has written and I've listened yeah. to his ebook on caffeine. I mean, he's just brilliant writer. Oh, I need to listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Actually, I haven't read that book, but I think that's the second time someone brought it up on the, the cast. So I okay. think I need to, I need yeah. to read that so I could come back and be like, yeah, man, I know stuff about this subject. <laughs> um, okay. And um, speaking of nutrition, um, 
you know, do, do you mind sharing a little bit about your nutrition? I mean, do you follow specific diet? Do you fast? You know, what did you eat today? I mean, did you wake up and, you yeah. know, you know, fa- did you fast or something? You know, you know, right. what's, what's Dave's yeah. refrigerator look like? Right. Well, so I'm, I'm an ovalacta pescatarian. So, so I eat, I fish and eggs and dairy cause my body seems to do okay with that. I, I, uh, don't really eat like, uh, other meat products. And so I'm, I'm largely vegetarian with contributions for, for dairy and, and fish and things for the protein sources. Um, I really enjoy nuts and seeds like green leafies. So this morning I, I made myself a, a smoothie with, uh, with berries and cilantro and parsley and some pumpkin seeds and a little bit of a protein powder in there too. And that's, that's not every day, but that's one of the things that I really enjoy. Um, a lot of salmon, a lot of veggies, um, probably like all of us, maybe uh, too many carbs still here and there. So, um, and then I did just have coffee until lunch today because I had too much for dinner last night, but it was a healthy dinner, but it was too much of it. So, um, yeah. Nice. Dave, you hear that folks? Dave is a medical professional who practices what he preaches. All right. So if you're in the (laughs) Cleveland area, make sure you, you, you know, and he falls under your, what you're looking for, you know, you want to follow him. Um, and, um, last question. Um, what is a, a personal goal for you for 2021? And it could be anything. Oh, okay. I mean, so, uh, personal or professional, they all sort of intertwine, unfortunately, that's maybe bad boundaries, but, um, you know, I'm really working to develop that this, uh, you know, sort of a department of pediatric integrative medicine here at rainbow and with, with Connor and, um, to really see that grow and, and, um, start to start to take form and to expand the services that are available to kids in the domain of integrative medicine, including acupuncture. And so I really hope to be able to, to expand those, those services to people. So there's more access, um, especially regardless of ability to pay. So having, you know, these kinds of services be covered by insurance, including, you know, public insurance, I think is a really big, uh, an important thing and a goal to continue to, um, to work towards. Well, that's a, that's a very fantastic goal. I mean, I mean, I couldn't think of anything, but like that was, that was fantastic. Yeah. I think I, I, I would jump on that goal. I would hope to see the future marriage of Eastern and Western medicine and just folks to have the open mind that, you know, you don't have to cure everything with a pill, right. Or a prescription. Right. right? So, um, thank you so much, Dave, for going through the interrogating, you know, I mean, I I hit a lot of balls at you and you hit them all right back. Um, doc mock, you have anything else to, to wrap us up here? No, I mean, you know, again, if, if you're having a heart attack, you, you need a cardiac cath, but you know, if you're suffering right. <laughs> from chronic pain, if you have, uh, you know, chemotherapy induced nausea and vomiting, pelvic discomfort, if you're having difficulty with fertility, I mean, acupuncture has been around for thousands of years for a reason, and it is here to stay. And I'm so excited to see where the field goes. So I appreciate your community, Dr. Miller and Jackie Thank P you. of course, thanks for keeping us on the straight and narrow and, you know, mm-hmm. making sure that we're not nerding out too much over yeah. here for all of those out fun. there. If you have questions for myself, for Jackie P or Dr. Miller, you know, send it our way at team at maximalb.com. Check out our new course that launched on the perfect team and diet. I know there can't just be one, but we're going to teach you about all of them, the biochemistry, and we're going to tell that story start and end. Um, and as always, I'm Doc Mock, and I'm here with Jackie P and Dr. David Miller, and we are here to maximize your health. What's going on, Maximal Beings? Doc Mock here. If you haven't done so already, leave us a comment and hit the subscribe button. Let your friends and family know. That way we can get the word out and continue to bash the bro science.